Together we are two, two sober, sober chicks. chicks. Today we're three sober chicks because we have a special guest on with us. We are trying to make it a thing in 2020 where we're going to do a few more interviews uh, and interviews with people just like us. People 2022. Who, did I say 2022? You said 2020. Did I? Back to the future. Oh my yep. God. 2022. Uh, we're going to try to do more interviews with people just like us, people who uh are alcoholics who have recovered. And so welcome Deanna to the show today. Hi, Deanna. Hello. It's so nice that we get to see each other as if we're actually in a studio together, but we're not. So where are you calling in from on Zoom? I'm in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Julie's so in beautiful. Nashville. 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 Toronto. On a, on a uh, Zoom uh, meeting today, Julie, I said something about uh, people going up north, and the host said, What's up north of Canada? <laughs> to which I replied, Heaven. So, you know. Yesterday, I was um, at the new house that Zach and I bought, and uh, the people were cleaning out the, the chimney. And I was like, Do you know where we, where we could get a cord of wood? And they looked at me and they're like, what's a cord of wood? And I'm like, it's like a big delivery of lots of wood ready to be like, I'm still saying things where people are like, what? And my husband is always like, oh, she's Canadian. And they go, oh, okay. Like it explains everything. Like it's a disability or something. (laughs) (laughs) She's Canadian. (laughs) And then it was so funny because they asked me about like, what is that cell phone? I'm like, it's an iPhone. They're like, you get iPhones in Canada? I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. (laughs) the sled dogs bring them up from the border it's uh, very sweet and funny to see the differences and in the cultures what is a cord in american terms have you heard that term deanna yeah i have um i'm sure it's a pennsylvania thing because we either get a triaxle load a cord's like a row yeah like a certain amount of i thought it was a certain amount of square feet right like a cord I don't know, I don't know square feet very well, so I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> I don't either. All right. Well, one thing that unites us is uh, these, this common disease of alcoholism, and that's what we're here to talk about today. So welcome to Two Sober Chicks. And uh, Julie wanted to call this show what? Get- uh, I got sober during the vid. <laughs> i.e covid because i personally cannot imagine having been removed from the in-person fellowship and the sort of camaraderie and the touching and the visual and the hearing and all of the stuff that went along with me getting sober i just have so much admiration for people that get sober during covid when meetings were locked down and we had to find another way, whether it was podcasts or Zoom meetings or literature. And Deanna is one of those people I know who got sober during COVID. And so I think so many people will be able to relate to that because that's what we've been doing for the past over two years. So why don't we start off with you tell us a little bit about uh, kind of like a, a talk, um, what it was like when you were drinking. You know, what led you to think or come to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous? Well, um, I would have to say it has was brought to my attention on more than one occasion that 
I drank too much. Not that I thought I did, but um, it was something everyone else um, agreed upon. Um, I had noticed I was starting to have blackouts when I would drink, um, losing pieces of time, so to speak. Um, And then, you know, the awful dreaded waking up who did I text last night? Mm -hmm. Who did I call? Like, was I drunk dialing my boss or, you know, anything like that. So, well, at least you didn't um, wake up and go, who are that? (laughs) (laughs) Texting and drunk dialing is one thing, but waking up and going, who the fuck are you? That takes it to a whole new level. So, you know, that's one of those things where you as a, as a newcomer get to say, not yet. You know, we were reminded that this is a progressive disease. And if you had kept on going, you might too have been able to say, who the fuck is that? Well, I didn't wake up next to him, but I (laughs) might have um, said that the next day. Who was that? Um, But True, um, true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Walk of shame. Okay, good. I'm glad you're one of our club. You can continue now. Yes, there's definitely a walk of shame. Um, It just was really um, a lot of things, you know, like I um, knew I had a blood test coming up or lab work for the doctor. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'm not going to drink. So, okay, I, I could go. And then, but as soon as, you know, like I, you know, get my test results. Oh, I'd be right back to, you know, drinking or, um, I think a lot of it was, became more progressive when my children left home and a lot of empty nest. So to combat the loneliness, drinking a lot more Mm -hmm. than, you know, really needed to be, um, my dad was an alcoholic and I never seen myself as he was, but now that I've been sober, there were definitely clues and cues that were going on that I should have been more aware of earlier than I was, but I'm glad I'm there now. How long were your active alcoholic years when you look back did it start that way did it get that way how how long was that period well I could say I started out like as any social drinker at first Mm -hmm. um I could go to clubs or parties and have one drink and be the you know like I'd be the dd and wouldn't drink anymore the rest of the night but then as it progressed and, you know, I'd be, you know, all that, I'm not going to be the one drinking or driving home tonight. So it was like it somewhere, I don't know where the switch happened, but it happened. I'm going to say mid, mid thirties, um, that I noticed it really became a lot more progressive, like, you know, um, I just seemed to, you know, when I had one, I couldn't stop. One was too many, you know, and one was never enough. I couldn't stop at one. It would, Mm -hmm. you know, I was drinking till it was gone. And I tried like everyone else. And even like our big book tells us, 
oh, you know, you switch drinks. Okay, I'm gonna try doing hard seltzers because, you know, uh, beers, you know, putting weight on. And then, well, after a couple hard seltzers, I couldn't drink no more of those. Or I'd try, oh, I'm just gonna have a wine, glass of wine while I cook tonight and I'll be done. Well, you know, I feel like I'm the only one who knows how many drinks are in the bottle of wine because, <laughs> four. you know, like most pe- normal people don't know that there's three or four glasses in a bottle of wine, but you ask an alcoholic, they can tell you how much is in their favorite bottle of wine. Um, which is something I knew I could get three glasses out of that. At least my wine glasses, I could get three glasses out of it. Um, but it was slowly, I'd be right back to finishing my three beers and then I'd be, or three glass of wine, I'd be chugging beer by the end of the night. And it just kept going back to what I knew and I remember I tried to switch to something gross like Jägermeister. Have you guys ever heard of Jägermeister? Because um, yeah. it, it tastes like cough medicine. Mm-hmm. Cough medicine. And somehow I developed a love of cough medicine. <laughs> I thought, oh, this I won't drink too much on this. But, you know, put that shit in the freezer and suddenly it's not that bad because it gets the job done. So I can totally relate to that story about switching things up and trying different ways. And it does highlight the story of um, alcoholics, right? Like even though, and I think it's so important to talk about um, low bottom versus high bottom, because when Alcoholics Anonymous first started, people were coming in because they were, they had lost pretty much everything, or they were, you know, coming out of an institution, coming out of a psychiatric institution, uh, coming out of the hospital and being told that they were going to die or they're going to need a liver transplant. And now we come in and we get well a whole lot faster before it gets to that point. So we always remind people that, well, that hasn't happened to you yet. Because sometimes people come in and they think, well, I can't be an alcoholic because I, you know, I still have my car and I still have my house and I have a job and all these things. Did you lose anything besides your dignity and your self-respect? I mean, we all lost that. No, I don't. I can't say I lost anything per se. Um, Some friendships maybe. Um, But now I've learned those people probably weren't truly my friend anyway. You know, they were drinking buddies more than anything else. Um, And if you're not drinking and being part of the party, they don't want to be hanging out with you, you know, oh, why do we want to hang out with a sober chick? You know, they don't. Um, Unless you have a car and you're willing to be the chauffeur for the night. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, um, thankful to God, I haven't lost anything. Um, My finances have been a mess. I'm still trying to work through some of that, you know, just, um, with your mind not being a mess, you you are more capable to handle the, the right. difficulties of finances and situations like that. So that's a good thing. So let's talk about your sober date is December 2nd, 2019. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. So this is just before the dreaded vid. Yes. Wah. And I think, Deanna, you got sober and then after on your own and then after a period of time, that's when you started seeking out the 12 steps. Is that correct? Correct. 
Well, when did you found us? Didn't you find us? And yes, actually, I okay. So on, I we had taken my daughter back to college, and you know, um, of course, there's no ride without you know a cooler. So unfortunately, I'm going to admit that. But um, after you know. It was such a terrible drive home and the roads were horrendous. And I just remember praying to God to get me out of that. And I knew I had hit a rock bottom because I was like, I have got to get control. This is crazy. This drinking's out of control, you know, just things weren't right. So the next day I just, you know, I, I prayed to God and I woke up, I found anything about drinking I could find and um, being sober. So I read different things and then um, doing some reading, I had found sober casts. And when I was searching like how to, you know, things to do to get sober, your, your website popped up, well, not website, but podcast, pardon me, popped up saying um, two sober chicks. And I started listening. I listened to every podcast, like from day one and then I would I emailed and Julie answered because I'm like you know like I don't know what to do like I I was so lost I didn't know what to do and I never even thought about AA I knew about it but it wasn't even something I had thought about doing and she introduced me to the 12 steps. And I think Lisa, you also had answered me a couple times in emails and, um, you know, Julie had invited me to a Sunday Zoom meeting. And that was really what started it all was, and it helped so much because then I was able to find other Zoom meetings I could attend and um, just, you know, relate to what people were saying. And I have to say for myself, not being present in the rooms was probably helpful because of the fact I knew how vulnerable I was. And had I started out going to a co-ed meeting and, you know, if somebody was 13th step and I might have been, you know, more vulnerable to do things I shouldn't have done because I was really depressed and lonely. And even though I'm married, you know, my husband doesn't understand he's, you know, um, just doesn't relate, you know, like an alcoholic does. So for me, it was probably a better thing to not be in the rooms, you know, where other men were paying attention to me at a vulnerable time, because it could have been ended badly for me that way. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I always like to remind people, these are not places where we like to think predators can lurk. Uh, and we try to teach people better behavior, but it's just like the rest of society. There's always a percentage of the population who isn't carrying the message and they're not going to get it. Um, which is why one of the things they say is women with women, men with men, like, Mm -hmm. um, if I wasn't a lesbian, I would not have a male sponsor. I would have a female sponsor. Um, because you're a lesbian. Oh shit. (laughs) I hate it when that comes out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yes. Cats out of the bag, Julie. (laughs) Um, now I've totally lost my train of thought. (laughs) 
Good time. You said if you weren't a lesbian, then you never would have had a male sponsor, which you do now. And you have, you had St. Luke for a long time. Oh yeah. And men with men, women with women, but you know, and I, I sponsor women and I sponsor men and most of them are, I think they're all, well, gay men, straight men, heterosexual women. And a couple of times I have, um, been a sponsor for lesbians, but we have that talk right up front. Not that I think I'm all that in a bag of chips, but it's because of the trust factor, right? Like I can, you build trust with someone and sometimes there can be confusing feelings there. So we have that talk right up front. If there's any, if you think there might be any attraction whatsoever, we're going to find you another sponsor and I'm going to be your temporary and until we get you that next sponsor. So it just helps to keep you safe, but you bring a good point up about how you felt it was better because a lot of people think that uh, it's been harder. It's been worse for me when I first went to the rooms and people wanted to hold my hand at the end of the meeting. I was like, "Ugh, <laughs> do not touch me. I stood there. I swear to God at the end of the meeting, when we all stood up, I would do this. She put her hands in her pocket. Do not, do not fucking reach for my hand. Cause that's what people did. Now I've come to grow to be one of those people who I miss hugging my friends. Don't hug everybody. You know, I can love you from a distance. <laughs> I don't like everybody, but yeah. In the, and so for me, zoom, I think is incredible because also too, the other thing that I've seen is people who are coming into these rooms who are checking it out. They're a little bit suspect about how this works. They don't even turn their camera on. They have complete and total control over their anonymity. They can change their screen name to Bob. I don't know if you're Sally or Bob or what your real name is and no screen, black screen avatar, you know, so they can really come in and really protect their anonymity and check it out until they're ready to disclose. So I think that's kind of another cool factor. So did you, so this is what you liked about it because there wasn't a chance for you to be 13th stepped or um, get confused. Are there any other things that you really liked about um, getting sober on Zoom? Well, I live very rural. So a meeting for me is anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes away. So I found it very easy to be able at any point during the day that I had availability, I could do a Zoom. And there's usually always one going on somewhere in the world. And I have met people from Canada. You know, I've met people from England, all over, you know, different states that I wouldn't have met people from Tennessee, you know, like there are people I wouldn't have met today, had I not done Zoom. Um, so it did help me in that respect. I was able to get to more meetings than I would physically. And, you know, um, I don't always, you know, since I have to drive so far, gas can become an issue because I'm not, you know, made of money either. So to drive, uh, you know, every day to a meeting a half hour away, plus work, it, it was, uh, could be a struggle. And my husband didn't like all the time spent away, but he mm -hmm. didn't mind it so much when it was on Zoom. Mm -hmm. I had that when I first got sober, my husband was like, but you just went to a meeting like two days mm -hmm. ago. And I'd be like, well, it's only an hour. He's like, well, it's not an hour. Cause you drive there. Then the meeting's an hour. Then you hang out with the people and then you come back. Like, aren't you good? Like when, when can you stop leaving all the time? Yes. I, I am feeling that now. You made but a very good point. 
sorry, continue. That's okay. Um, but during Zoom, I didn't have that because I was home doing the meeting. So maybe I was in another room and being quiet, you know, with the headset on or whatever, I was still home and present. So. Yeah, you made a very good point. They talk about that, that in the big book a lot in um, To the Wives, uh, the family afterward. Uh, although the language is from the 1930s, you know, it still touches on the same point is that at some point, the family members can become jealous mm -hmm. of your time spent in recovery, spent in AA, because they don't get it. They just see you changed. Mm -hmm. They don't know that it's based on our uh, spiritual condition, right? We have to maintain that daily. It's like, I don't eat on Monday and I'm good for the rest of the week. I need to eat every day. Same right. thing with AA. I need to do my medicine every day. If that's pray and meditate every day, go to a meeting every day or every other day, stay connected to the program in some way. It does, it does take up time. However, being wasted, <laughs> missing days, that also took up time. So it's, it's, uh, it's certainly different. So how is, um, so how did you and you and Julie's your sponsor? So how did you guys manage your sponsorship over the internet? Well, we, oh, go ahead, Julie. First of all, I, am I still your sponsor? <laughs> I don't know because she's going to this like amazing women's group. And I, I'm not sure if we transition out. Um, but what I want to say, which is so important is Deanna worked those freaking steps like a champ and she worked them fast. Like right from day one, she was very serious about it. She was very proactive about it. Um, she had lots of questions, but was at the same time, still very self-sufficient and doing readings and doing the step process. Like it was so impressive as someone that took two years, me to do my steps the first time. I'm always so, um, I so admire that in someone that they can just like dig in and go for it. And she did it. And you could tell right away, um, Deanna, you went from like really being, um, I don't want to say your sobriety was threatened, but like going from someone who didn't have a program that was really struggling to someone that was like really grasping it and living it and putting into practice. It was pretty impressive. Well, thank you. Um, well, I do have to say, like, during that time, also, um, rehabs were very limited around here, like they weren't just taking people. So like, it was a lot of doing it on my own with you as my sponsor. And yes, um, you know, we still reach out. Um, I'm kind of been in limbo with sponsorships because I tried one lady and that she ended up not working out but yeah um it's okay you can break up with Julie now I will I'll catch her <laughs> when, when she falls well I knew there's <laughs> been like attempts to form relationships and I'm yes. just not sure if it ever with that. gone in it, 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 it's trying you know you know I've been trying to find someone and I look for somebody that you know do they have what I want but there's also a lot of young people. So I'm like, am I the old lady with all these young people? You know, like some kids are, or some of the girl women are like my daughter's age. Well, it's kind well, of weird to be sponsoring. That's okay. Having a sponsor who's your kid's age. Do they have good sobriety? Some of them do. 
Because I will tell you, I just connected with a lady who's 86 years old. And I feel so blessed because she just asked me to be her sponsor today. And we connected through my sponsee who suggested she give me a call and we just started chatting. And um, I said, well, you know, what does your sponsor say about this? Have you taken this to your sponsor? And she said, well, she's un- unavailable. And I, and I was like, what does that mean? Uh, and dead. no, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Right? <laughs> no, um, it was COVID. just not connected to the internet, to a cell phone. Uh, so they were waiting until they were going to connect in a certain place and it was days away and there was a pressing issue. And I said, you know, I think when I have 30 years of sobriety, I'm going to pick somebody who has 10 because they're going to be closer to their last drink than mm-hmm. I certainly am. And they're going to be really connected in the program. That's who I want. Someone who is connected in the program. And sometimes I think when we stick with the same people over time, um, we might become too close of friends. You know, that's always something I, I discuss with my sponsees. Like if you ever feel that maybe there's things that you aren't taking well from me, it might be because you think of me as a friend now. And so you might want to change up your sponsorship relationship and pick somebody else. So anyway. Well, and I guess another thing for me is um, some of the, I I don't know if I should say this, but some of the people I have, women I have met, they also um, indulge in recreational drugs. And I, that's, um, I'm not sure for myself if I think that's complete sobriety. That was very politically correct. It doesn't (laughs) work for you. (laughs) Let me just uh, paraphrase what Deanna's saying. That's complete and utter bullshit. (laughs) They're living a sedated reality. That ain't for you. That's not fucking sobriety. Okay, this is just my opinion. It's Lisa. You can send your emails to twosoberchicks at gmail.com. To Lisa. <laughs> well, they, they've, you know, some of them say, oh, yeah, I do smoke pot, but it is, um, I have, uh, it's legal marijuana, you know, like, um, alcohol is legal. Sorry. I'm like, I'll myself. Um, no, that's, you're also doing it recreationally, not just because you're doing it for medicinal purposes. You know, so that's where it becomes a problem to me. Yeah. Well, because it's hard to relate to someone when you are completely sober and someone who, when they have a hard time or a feeling or something has a crutch to go to, to alter their personality or their feelings. Like, you know, that might work for some people. I particularly am like, Hey, whatever works for you works for you, but I don't, also want to have a sponsor that is able to quote unquote, take the edge off when I can't, I need to know how to learn how to deal with it. Exactly. Life on life's terms, not life on weeds terms. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I tried the marijuana maintenance program. So, you know, it's, I'm an advocate against it. Um, And I believe in an unsedated reality, not checking out occasionally. Yep. Okay. Next. So how was, Deanna, how was your adjustment to in-person meetings? Because I remember you being a little hesitant and obviously unsure because your whole experience was based on online fellowship. It was very, very 
anxiety ridden. I will be honest. And Lisa was the one who said, try a women's meeting. Hmm. She said, I think it'll be better. You know, you won't be as anxious, you know, with sharing if, you know, it's just more women. So that's what I did. And I'll be honest, I sat in the parking lot and watched all the different women that went into that (laughs) meeting. And then I did, I did go in. um, But um, it was, it was a different adjustment. um, Just, you know, because you didn't know, I didn't know them from Adam you know, like I knew none of them. And, um, and they all welcomed me with open arms and were like, we're glad you're here. And um, we love you. And it was very warm, welcoming. I loved it. I've made some beautiful friends out of um, that fellowship and that meeting group that I go to. Um, and I will say that um I got a text message from one of the ladies there last night and she goes, it is so nice to hear you share because you sound so much different than the woman I met a year ago. Whoa. And I made me cry. And <laughs> I said, thank you. You know, it was really nice to hear, you know, because sometimes I think, geez, I sounded stupid what I said last night, you know, because um, you know, you, you think, oh, I know what I'm going to say. And then you Mm -hmm. start talking and that's not one thing you had in your mind (laughs) that you were going to talk about. So God really takes over the mouth in that point. Yeah. I have to say too, I haven't seen you in like, I think it's been almost two years since I've seen you since the sober check women's Sunday meetings. And, um, you really, you look different. Uh, there's a different energy about you, a different calmness, you know, I, Yeah, because I know that anxiety, a little bit of nervousness, that played a big part uh, when you were new, and you seem a lot more calm today, so it's nice to see. And confident. Oh, thank you. It's nice to hear, because that person a year ago was a mess, a hot mess. And sometimes I still have days where it's like, I'm a hot mess, but, you know, I, I try to turn to my higher power. I try to read in my big book. I just look for, and like, if I'm having an off day and can't attend an in-person meeting, I do a Zoom meeting. And for me, and maybe it's because that's how I started. It's not, I'm not as hesitant to get on. And I will say, sometimes I don't turn my screen on because... I may be cooking or doing something else, but I'm able to be on that meeting and listen. And it's helpful, you know, and I don't think everybody wants to see my dirty dishes or my, you know, me cooking in the background. So that's sometimes why I don't turn my screen on, but my personal and real name is on the screen. No one wants me to see my naked ass either. I, I was in a meeting today in the tub. <laughs> so I just kept my camera off. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, you know, just to clarify, sometimes you're doing stuff that you, you know, not everyone, you might be working, but need a meeting because somebody at work really upset you and triggered you. So it's Mm -hmm. okay to attend without a camera. I remember when our home group in Toronto um, first started doing Zoom meetings and, you know, there were, I remember a dude on there with a shirt off eating lunch, and then he was vaping, 
And I was just like, I, of course I couldn't look at anything else. And those first several meetings were what determined what was appropriate conduct and behavior in the rooms. But I've never been comfortable when I see men in bed zooming, never been okay with that. I'm just like, you know, I don't want to see yeah. what you look like in bed. Even if you're fully clothed, I don't need to see the frame of your bed, what color mm -hmm. your pillows are. It just freaks me out. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, you know, um, yeah, it's like you wouldn't see it at a meeting, right? We'd all be sitting in a chair. We would be clothed. We wouldn't be smoking. <laughs> we wouldn't be eating a full course meal, unless you're Julie. Um, but that's oh my story. gosh, that's exactly what I was just thinking. We know somebody who <laughs> somebody was very distracting to some of us. The way she yeah. would eat in meetings. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, this just highlights my issues, right? Like, again, I always bring it back to the program. I can't control other people and their behavior, but man, do they ever get under my skin sometimes. Mm -hmm. And thank God I have a program today um, because <laughs> I don't go over and tell her not to eat. This is a meeting because that's not my business, no mm -hmm. matter how rude I think it is or gross. <laughs> Very opinionated, Deanna. That's one thing that has not changed. Usually I keep those opinions to myself, except for on this platform where I can do whatever the fuck I want because it's entertaining. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Oh, you're oh, muted, you muted Deanna. yourself, Deanna. Or maybe she didn't and we're having a technical difficulty. Oops. You good? Well, that's it. God's decided you're done for today. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming back. Thanks for joining us. It's good to see you. She did talk at the beginning, <laughs> didn't she? I... Yes, it just suddenly cut out. Yeah. It's so funny. I feel like every time we have Deanna on, because we had her on technical. in uh, Christmas, there was all these weird technical difficulties where she was in and then she was gone. Oh, yes. I guess you guys will have to have a phone call after this, but we did get to hear hear your story. I'm glad that you guys, you guys will have to figure out whether or not you're still sponsor sponsy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for it. I would never say no. <laughs> You know, and that's the beautiful thing about sponsorship, like no hard feelings. You guys can, um, and I always say that to the people that I work with, there comes a time because what did I think as a, per as a newcomer to the program? I thought, I can't, I can't tell them I don't want them to sponsor me anymore. They'll hate me or maybe it'll hurt their feelings. Yeah. And what I learned is they don't fucking care. No, <laughs> not that they don't care. <laughs> it's usually like, oh, great. Okay. You, you're moving on to someone else. Fantastic. You've already got someone else. Perfect. That's what I tell my people. As long as you've already got someone else, don't be hanging out there in the wind on your own. Cause that's yeah. how we did things when we were alcoholics. So unfortunately we're having a technical difficulty with Deanna. So we're going to say goodbye for her. And <laughs> she's doing sign language. So that's how we're, we're seeing her swaving. She said, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And we'll talk to you soon, Deanna. Yeah. Don't leave the room. Thanks very much for joining us on another edition of Two Sober Chicks with Julie and Lisa and Deanna. If you'd like to talk to us about your story or you think you have a message that is worth hearing, sharing your experience, strength, and hope, whether it be through COVID times or any time, you can send us an email at the number two soberchicks at gmail.com. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. And this has been Two Sober Chicks. Thank you. Thank you.